Turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 9, verse 18. Luke chapter 9 and verse 18. Basic training was not a pleasant experience for me. Uh, I got yelled at in different ways, uh, mistreated, <laughs> and uh, but it was a necessary part of the training that I had to go through in order to move on to other things. Well, Jesus Christ did a necessary work for us, uh, and without his work, we couldn't know the Christian life. We couldn't live in relationship to God. And each of us needs that, that relationship with him. And what a comfort to know, too, uh, that that work that Jesus did on the cross, not only have we been saved, but we are being saved. We're experiencing the benefits of what Jesus did in our life right now. The comfort of God's presence, uh, the, the encouragement and the leadership we have through his spirit. Uh, everything that we have as believers is, is part of the result of what Jesus did for us. And so Luke here is um, giving us a little glimpse into the life of Jesus and his disciples as Jesus has a discussion with them. And he says, who do men say that I am? And so they say, well, you know, some say that you're Elijah and some say you're one of the prophets that's raised up and... Uh, you know, and they're saying different things. And Jesus says, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ of God. Uh, and so uh, Luke doesn't record the rest of, uh, of the, the objections that Peter has to the second part of what Jesus says. Uh, he's just emphasizing what Jesus said. But Jesus tells him, okay, don't tell anybody. <laughs> uh you know, I, I think if I was one of the disciples, I'd probably be scratching my head a little bit at this point. You know, why should we not tell anybody? You, you know, we've, we've said you're the, the Christ. Uh, you know, maybe they're even feeling kind of good about it. We figured it out. The crowds don't know who you are, but we do. Uh, but, but Jesus says, be quiet about it. Why? Well, I believe that Jesus knew that if the, the crowds at large thought he was the Messiah, they would totally misunderstand his mission. Jesus' mission was to suffer and die. After that, there would be, a, in his second coming, there would be a ruling uh, on the earth, but, but not at the first coming. And so Jesus tells him, be quiet about it. Uh, and then he begins to describe to them what that Messiahship is going to involve. It will involve suffering, rejection, death, and resurrection. And he says, these things are necessary to take place. Uh, aren't you glad that God only allows the sufferings that are necessary? I, I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Jesus had some sufferings in his life that were necessary on, on a whole different level than the, the necessary sufferings that we go through. Um, but we, as God's people need to thank and praise God for the work that Jesus has done. We need to embrace Jesus in faith and repentance and, and salvation. Uh, and then we need to walk in the fullness of those blessings that he's given to us. And the title of my message is The Necessity of Jesus' Work. And so let's look at these verses. Verse 18. While he was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do crowds say that I am? 
By the way, did you know that there's a whole lot of people asking that question, who is Jesus? A whole lot of different opinions out there. We have the answer uh, that can set people free. Um, so who, who do the crowd say that I am? They, they answered John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others, one of the ancient prophets who's come back. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah, or the Christ of God is another way to translate that. But he strictly warned and instructed them to tell this to no one, saying the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, be killed and be raised on the third day. So what are the things that were necessary for Jesus to experience or do? The first thing was suffering. Jesus suffered so that we could eventually know what it's like to be without suffering. Because of Jesus' suffering, one day when Jesus comes back, there's going to be a place with no suffering, no sorrow, no crying, no pain. How does that become mine? Only through Jesus, through Jesus' suffering. How did Jesus suffer? Well, Jesus suffered uh, in, in, in his physical body. It's one of the ways he suffered. Uh, they, they took him and they beat him with a cat of nine tails whip. And it, it had bones uh, tied to it. It had pieces of metal, maybe uh, other sharp objects that were tied to it. And they would swing that whip around and they would yank it like that. And it would pull chunks of flesh out. It was just a really... A lot of people died from the scourging before the crucifixion would even take place. Um, then they would, they would put those, those spikes through the uh, nerve at the base of your hand, uh, and it would cause incredible pain. The word excruciating comes from the word that means to crucify. Uh, it, it's associated with that. It's this horrible pain that you experience. And so Jesus, um, Jesus experiences pain. Uh, many of the crucifixion victims, their, their bones would be dislocated as they hung uh, on the cross. Uh, their, their feet would tear as they pushed up to get air. Uh, it was just a, an incredibly painful way to die. It was a slow, arduous death. So D Jesus suffered physically. Uh, Jesus also suffered emotionally. Think about how it must have felt to Jesus to be, everybody's, everybody's gone. His disciples are gone. Uh, you remember what his family said? He was working and, and he's doing his ministry. And they said, well, you think he's crazy. He's not eating or anything. You know, what's, what's going on with Jesus? And uh, he just, he, he was misunderstood. Uh, and, and, and he's here by himself facing the cross uh, God's with him until a certain point on the cross where the sins of humanity are put upon him. But he, I believe he suffered greatly emotionally. You look in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he is sweating great sweat drops of blood because of the anguish that he's experiencing because he knows what's coming. It's not just the physical suffering. It's the, the, the fact that he, for the first time in eternity past, uh, would be separated relationally from his father. The sin of mankind would be placed upon him. And so there's this incredible emotional struggle within Jesus, knowing that it's necessary, but wrestling with it all the same. Uh, and uh, eventually he says, not what I will, but what you will. And he goes forward. 
uh, he suffered spiritually as the wrath of God was placed upon him and the, the fury of his anger was placed upon Jesus suffered. He experienced all of that. Uh, and in, as the God-man, in, in a moment of time, uh, on that cross, he took the eternity of our punishment upon himself as only God's Son could do. He suffered an amazing suffering that I don't think we can really even wrap our minds around. But he suffered so that you and I could be set free from that someday. Isn't that a wonderful thought? Uh, Jesus paid it all, and he, he turned history on his head. He, he said, okay, you remember back there with the Garden of Eden when everything was right before the curse came? He, he, he changes the direction of things. And, and one day when Jesus comes back, the Bible says, and there will be no more curse. That's what Jesus started on the cross. And so there won't be any sickness. There won't be any suffering physically, emotionally. Can you imagine never having tears because of the grief or pain or difficulty of life? Can you imagine never experiencing heartache, uh, never suffering emotionally, never suffering physically, uh, never having aches and pains? Uh, this is what Jesus did for us on the cross. And obviously, he saved us from the eternal suffering in hell as well. So, uh, Jesus suffered so that we wouldn't have to suffer. Um, if you have ever had, a, had your child get medical treatment and, and it's painful. Uh, now, Sherry, I kind of put this off on Sherry when Megan was little because I didn't enjoy doing it. And, you know, moms tend to be better at that kind of thing, but... Uh, we would have to take her to get her blood taken very often. And uh, I remember there was, a, there was a time where Sherry couldn't do it, and I had to do it. And, and Megan's little. She didn't understand. And, I, you know, I had to sit her in my lap and physically pin her down while the doctor stuck the needle in her arm to get blood. That was hard. But she, she, she was going through suffering. But... <clears throat> How God's heart must have been broken when his son suffered, but the Bible says it was pleased. He was pleased to crush him for our sake. What an amazing thought. That's the love of God for us. It was necessary for Jesus to suffer so that we could have a hope where there would be no more suffering. Uh, so Jesus, first, first thing that was necessary for Jesus to experience to do was to suffer. Secondly, not only suffering, but rejection. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected. Rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes. Now, he was rejected on a lot of levels. I mentioned his family. Not until the resurrection did most of his siblings understand and embrace his mission. James and Judas, you know, the good Judas who wrote the book of Jude, uh, were brothers of Jesus, but they didn't come to Christ until after the resurrection. Uh, Jesus experienced rejection in his family. Uh, I heard a, a story recently about uh, someone who 
had trusted Christ and their family disowned them. You know, most of the time we don't experience that here in America, but there are people who experience that even here. Uh, and, and there are people who are afraid to trust Christ because they're afraid of what response their family will, will have to their decision. Jesus understood this rejection. He experienced it. He experienced it at the hand of his family. He experienced it uh, at the hands of the religious leaders of that day. Uh, the Sanhedrin, the leading body of the land, rejected Jesus, rejected his mission, and uh, set up a committee to uh, basically falsely accuse him of getting put to death. That's rejection. Uh, then... Uh, Jesus also experienced uh, a rejection of sorts when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. They come to, to arrest him. Judas kisses him on the cheek to identify him. And Peter slices off uh, Malchus's ear, and, they, and he's healed. Uh, and Jesus heals him. And they just all fled. He says, this is the plan of God. And they, they said, well, I don't want to be a part of this plan. And they all take off. And here's Jesus, rejected. Why was this rejection necessary? For our salvation. He was rejected so that we could be accepted. Now the greatest rejection of all was on the cross. When our sin was placed on Jesus, Jesus said these words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was rejected by the Father. And on the, on the cross, because of the sin that was placed upon him, the Father turned his back in disgust. And for the first time in eternity past, the fellowship between the Father and the Son was broken. Why? So that your, your fellowship with God and my fellowship God, with God could be made possible through Jesus' death and sacrifice. Our broken relationship can be restored. Jesus was rejected so that we could be accepted. He said, you have been reconciled to him through the death of his son. Uh, you have been adopted into the family of God. You have been given eternal life. No one can pluck them out of my hand. You see, your relationship with God is secure despite the fact that you fail, despite the fact that you doubt, despite the fact of anything that happens in your life. If you place your trust in Christ, the salvation of God is yours for eternity. Why? Because Jesus was rejected. It was necessary for Jesus to be rejected so that we could be accepted. So, what do you do with that? Well, if you don't know Christ, repent of your sin, put your trust in Him. Receive His salvation uh, so you can have a relationship with Him. If you're already a believer, what do you do with that? Well, enjoy that relationship. Keep your sins confessed so there's no uh, broken fellowship. And uh, ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit. Keep a heart of surrender and trust in him. And let his spirit live through your life. And you'll have that fellowship with God and be able to enjoy the fullness of God's joy in your life. See, Jesus was rejected so that we could be accepted. So, what was necessary for, for Jesus to experience today? First, suffering. Second, rejection. Third, death. Son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes. Be killed. See, Jesus, it was necessary for Jesus 
to die. Adam and Eve, when they sinned in the garden, God had told them, on the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. Some people say, well, you know, God didn't keep his word because the day they ate thereof, uh, they didn't die. God, God uh, didn't kill them. Well, yes, they did. Now, they began to die physically, I believe, and that eventually ended up in a physical death later on. But they died spiritually. They had been walking with God in the cool of the day every single day, but now they're cast out of the garden. They're separated from God. Um, <clears throat> Jesus had to die. That's what the whole animal sacrifice is about, to teach the people of Israel the necessity of a sacrifice. There had to be a death, uh, a substitute to take the payment for sin, to not, not just the physical death, and that, praise God, that's going to be reversed one of these days. Uh, you and I, if we, if we die before Jesus comes back, we'll be raised. That's, that'll be reversed. But also, the spiritual life. What does he, Jesus say? This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So to, to know God is spiritual life. To relate to God is spiritual life. To have fellowship with God is spiritual life. And it's, it's now, as we have a walk with God, as we, we come to faith in Christ, but it's also later in a greater way. When we, we, now we see through a glass darkly, then face to face. So it'd be even better in the future. But, but this is God's relationship that he has given us through Jesus' death. Because Jesus died, we can live. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Uh, if a man believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. You can have life today for one reason and one reason only. Jesus died for you. He paid the price. He was the substitute. The soul that sin shall die, Ezekiel says. Jesus was the, the one who died, and he didn't sin. So that you and I who sinned and deserved spiritual, physical, and eternal death could be set free from that death and given life so that we could walk with God here, one day be raised from the dead if Jesus tarries, and be given eternal life in heaven and escape hell. Jesus did all of that through his death. It was necessary for Jesus to die. So... Uh, what do you do with that? Well, come to Jesus for faith in Christ, have faith in Christ and repent of your sins so you can be saved if you don't know him. Uh, if you know him, enjoy the spiritual life that you have. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. You don't have to have a, a holy wine and a hangdog look. You, you can enjoy life as a child of God. You can, you can be joyful. That's the evidence of the, of the Spirit of God in someone is the joy of the Lord. Uh, the joy of the Lord is our strength. This is what Jesus supplies for us uh, through our relationship with him. So it was necessary for Jesus to die so that we could live. And then uh, he, he had to experience or do suffering, rejection, death, and finally resurrection. It's necessary for him to be raised on the third day. Why was Jesus raised on the third day? Well, it, it, 
put an exclamation point on the cross for one thing. But he also rose from the dead so that we could walk in victory and power. If you read the book of Romans, you see Paul talking about the fact that we have been, we've died with Christ and we've been raised with Christ to walk in victory. We have this new spiritual life within us. Uh, Ephesians says this, you have the power of the resurrection within you. You and I, because of Jesus' resurrection, uh, have that same power within us. Why? Because what did Jesus do when he raised from the dead? Well, after a short period of ministry, he ascended to heaven, right? And then what did he do? He sent the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, didn't he? You should receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You should be my witnesses unto Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. You see, Jesus gave his disciples power that began at the resurrection, but that resurrection power is given to us through the Holy Spirit that Jesus would send. So Jesus had to be raised uh, to, he's the first fruits of the resurrection, so he, to, to um, give us that victory and so forth in our spiritual walk in life. He also had to be raised because he's the first fruits of the resurrection. After all, he's promised eternal life. Somebody laying in a tomb is not very good convincer of the promise of eternal life. But he rose from the dead. Why? Because that's exactly what he's going to do for us. He's the first fruits. He's the first one to ever be raised, never to die again. And because... He is raised. We have the hope of resurrection. Someday, Jesus is going to come back. The trumpet's going to sound. The angel's going to give the loud command. Jesus is going to come with a shout. And, buddy, the cemetery is going to be an exciting place to be. These people are going to be shooting up out of these graves. And uh, we'll be, those of us who are still living, will be caught up to meet them uh, and to meet the Lord in the air with them. Uh, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's our life, our victory that Jesus brings us uh, through his resurrection. Uh, we can, you know, there's nothing that we can't overcome in the power of the Holy Spirit in this life. And there's nothing we can't endure uh, in the trials that we face because we know that this life is not all there is. This light and momentary suffering, Paul said, is not worthy to be compared with the eternal weight of glory that is yet to come. Jesus, when he came up out of that tomb, he said, hey, this death's this not such a big deal. I, I've got this covered. Death is not the end for a Christian. It's the beginning. St. Corinthians 5, he says, uh, be absent from the body, be present with the Lord. Says God has created us for this very purpose. I tell you what, now I've got a purpose here. Praise God, the Lord uses you and He uses me here while we're as we follow Him. But the best is yet to come. Our risen Savior gives us hope. It was necessary. Jesus said it's necessary. Can I tell you something? Sometimes things in life we don't understand. Suffering, hardship, pain, difficulty. We don't understand. God, why do you allow these things in, in our lives? 
We may never get the answer while we're here. Sometimes we may. But God has a reason. Paul says it's only if it's necessary that we suffer. But can I tell you something? Sometimes suffering accomplishes a great purpose. Um, Develops our character. Uh, It is used by God uh, to help us to minister to others. Paul said, you know, we're comforted. Uh, through our sufferings, and we, we minister that same encouragement and comfort to you and your suffering. But because we've suffered, we can minister to you. Uh, but it, it ultimately, it accomplishes God's purpose. And one day, we're going to be rewarded for the suffering that we experience for Christ. Um, Philippians says that Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. I don't understand how Christians in different parts of the world make it when they're rotting away in a prison cell. Their family's killed and persecuted for Christ. How do they make it? Well, they're not focused on this life. They're focused on what's yet to come. I'll tell you what. One moment we close our eyes in death, the next moment we open our eyes in glory. And it will never be the same again. We have hope because of Jesus. Put your trust in him and the difficulties of life and the hardships of life. Thank him and praise him for what Jesus did for us. He understands your suffering. He intercedes for you as you go through suffering. Um. Put your trust in him in those, in those difficult times and remember what he went through for you. Um, he has suffered for us so that we can know glory. And as we suffer in our walk with him, one day, even those cups of water we give in his name, there'll be a reward. And no one will take it from us. He is faithful. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the, the ministry of your son. Thank you for his sufferings, for his rejection, for his death, and for his resurrection. And thank you, Lord, that because of his suffering, we have a hope of a place with no suffering. Thank you that because of his rejection, that we're accepted. Thank you that because of his death, we live. And because of his resurrection, Lord, we experience your victory and power and the hope of eternal life. We just give you praise for that, Father. Help us live and trust in you and in the struggles and difficulties that we face. Help us keep our eyes upon you, Lord, and never forget that you are with us. Help us keep our eyes on the prize.